welcome to the Autism Grown Up Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Tara Regan, and I'm the coach and educator as well as founder here with Autism Grown Up, a website for autistic individuals, families, and professionals to connect and get resources, ideas, information, and inspiration when it comes to autism and growing up. And this podcast is an extension of that. On this show, we share stories and strategies when it comes to autism, growing up, and adulthood. So let's jump right in. Hey everyone, it's the last Thursday of the month, which means that we're doing a Q&A. And this is the first one ever, so thank you so very much to those who submitted questions. We've received a few questions, and today I'm picking one from one of our members in the Autism Grown-Up community online. You can join us in the community at community.autismgrownup.com, and then you can also submit your question for next month's Q&A at bit.ly slash agu question. So today's Q&A gives us a chance to do a deep dive into the what, why, and how of various topics related to autism, growing up, and adulthood, and therefore to give space to an area that isn't covered as often, especially in this area and age span. So today's question is centered on wanting to learn more about scheduled routines. So now I've, by now, especially if you're in engrossed in the autism community and listening to several of these episodes, including the summer series, I'm sure you've heard by now or at, are at the very least familiar with scheduled routines and why they're important. Uh, research shows this as well as professionals and families say that they can support transition activities, building and mastering life skills. This is what a lot of autistic adults really want to focus on with scheduled routines and to generate a sense of ease into the day with autistic individuals. So I think as a non-autistic or typically developing individual, us as a group tend to overlook the importance of creating, building, and implementing routines, scheduled or not. And if a routine is happening, it may not even be scheduled with a particular time of day. But we all do rely on some sense of uh, routine to navigate our days, whether it's what we do at work, the times of day we eat, the times of day we sleep, these are all relatively scheduled. And for particular areas, we do rely on planners, a digital or a paper, I use both, and calendars, alarms, etc. to help us out. So some common routines that we all need support in and what we can do to support the autistic individual in our life, whether we're a parent, caregiver, family member, or professional, is to think about the following types of routines. So I have these broken up into four categories based on the time of the day, and then a special category at the end for the fourth one. So the first one is in the morning. Um, these particular routines come up the most in my discussion with families and also from my experience too, is uh, waking up, eating breakfast, getting ready for school or work, hygiene specific tasks, especially when we get to adolesc adolescence, uh, taking transportation, and then arriving to school or work. A lot of teachers have built in morning routines into 
the request day to help all students be successful as they arrive to school. And then for the second category is the afternoon, and then some things to be thinking about for routines, some common routines, I mean, are getting home from school or work, completing homework, navigating free time, and extracurricular activities. And then for the evening, this is thinking about meal time, getting ready for bed, and sleeping. And then the fourth category is the special category called healthy routines. And these are just some areas to be thinking that we all kind of focus on when we are trying to be healthier and are some common things when we think about routines. This includes working out, making meals, eating healthy meals, and then making healthy choices with activity, leisure, and free time. So if any of these resonate with you or you think of another one that's important to you or the autistic individual that you're working with, then think of how this podcast can be helpful for you to determine what strategies may be helpful, what to adapt, and then how to implement them together. So now let's get into some strategies that have worked for my family, families I've worked with, and students. We've got three basic ways to get into this. So for the first one, I'll be focusing on creating scheduled routines. This is ways to build the scheduled routine into the day, and ideally I recommend this through finding naturally occurring routines, locations, settings, people to be interacting with. Or these are all ways that can serve as cues to start and complete a scheduled routine or times when it makes sense to complete it. Like when you are finished with eating your dinner, you put your plate in the sink and that is when the routine is where you start washing your dishes or washing the dishes after dinner for everyone. Or you can just start with your own. Um, another example is with my family. This is more of a longer example and something I think about when we talk about getting a scheduled routine into place. Um, my brothers love going for a walk. Um, that's like their main source of physical activity and exercise during the course of the week. And so that's another factor to be thinking about is if the routine is something that is already a very motivating preferred thing, then scheduling it during a naturally occurring time or during other times may not be as difficult. It's just a matter of trying to make time for the day or during the day or during the week. So with my brothers, we, my mom specifically does a very good job of, well, we're all working on this, right? But she's really good at trying to figure out when is a good time to work out together and go on a walk. There are some trails near by our house, so they all like to go together and it's such a nice break for them even after both of my brothers have been at their day program all day and they go monday wednesday friday three days a week and sure even when they are out of the house they do like going on a walk at the end of the day just to blow off some steam and it's just some great physical activity for all of them um they all kind of do their own thing too as they're walking together so that's always really nice for everyone do something together like this, but otherwise I think my brothers would just be home on their iPads all evening long. I think Tanner would even be on two iPads, but that's another tale for another day. <laughs> so we 
we've really worked on figuring out what times are ideal for doing this walk together. So I also try to do this with them when I'm doing respite with both my brothers. And some other things we do think about factors-wise is we consider doing the walk when they're well-rested because Tanner is one of the first ones to be like, my legs are tired, I'm done, we need to go. So we try to think about those times a day too. And of course, when it's not too hot or cold outside. So we're gonna have to adjust this time as the seasons change. And we generally do kind of try to space things out. So like I said, they go after their day program is done, they get home, and then they have about 30 to 45 minutes after they get home. And then they transition to go on the walk or head in the car to go to the walk to do the trail. So sometimes my mom does leave their shoes on or they leave their shoes on, but it's still kind of like a nice cue that they can hang out and chill out for a little bit, but then it's going to be time to go in about 30 minutes or so, and we're going to be ready for this. So I think this routine of going after their day program, and then when they don't have that on Tuesday, Thursday, either I'm with them and we go a little bit after lunch. It's been a little bit cooler lately, so it's not as hot to go midday, but, um, but I think as we do get colder temperatures and the sun is going to be setting earlier, I think we're going to have to be adjusting our schedule. So that's something to be thinking about too. Just this is like a long example, but a very realistic example of the idea that some routines are going to have to be flexible over time, but it's always really nice when you're getting it started to make sure that it is consistent and predictable. All right, so my second strategy here is kind of a combo here. It's alliterative. It's tools and technology. So think about the tech devices you have and we can make use of make use out of them. It's not just a place for videos. There are also some great apps out there like Habatica. Um, that is spelled H-A-B-I-T-I-C-A. And I'll put the link to that as well as the other things I mentioned in the show notes, of course. And this is a free app that I absolutely love and so many people I've worked with love this app so much too. It's a free app, like I mentioned, but I'm just so excited about it, guys. This is a habit building app and it's a productivity app too that kind of treats your activities, your chores, your tasks, whatever you put into it, it treats it like a game. So you can earn in-game rewards. And also sometimes there are punishments in there too, but it's very customizable. And the, the goal is to motivate you to um, get you to do the tasks and check off the things on your to-do list, your morning routine, for example. I said that so interestingly, your morning routine and make sure that you can earn the points that you need to earn by the end of that section and away you go. So that can be so motivating for so many teens and adults on the spectrum. I would also recommend it for anyone who is just trying to build habits. And then another one is the to-do list. And there's a few other like to-do list notes type of apps that are free from the App Store, and I think they're available for Android devices. Double check that for me for those of you who have Androids. I don't really know that much about those. 
And then also Evernote is a really good one. That's an app as well, but I tend to use it for as a like a web-based type of thing. So I just use it on my computer and I use it for everything, just even capturing things that I wanted to do. And it could be good for you as a parent, caregiver, professional, if you want to take notes on how well a scheduled routine is going over time. Like if you needed to provide some additional support, some additional prompting, things that are going well, those type of things. That way you can capture that there and you can refer back to it later as well. So that's like a nice little habit for you to build too, if you would like to. And then of course, um, another tool is to think about some low or simple technology use. So that's like using the planner, um, a paper one, and then there's so many different types of planners these days. So like it's a planner frenzy these days, which I'm here for and I really love because I am a huge planner girl. I have like three or four of them right now and I use them for different things, but there are so many different types of planners these days, which is amazing and can be really helpful to use, especially for those who need it for different things. Like you could use a planner for a routine, really, you could, um, you can really make that work. They come in different sizes, but you can also use calendars. You can use a master calendar that you can put in the kitchen. There are different kinds of um, kind of chore boards, those type of things. You can also use the timers or alarms to help use that. And that could be something that's on the phone, but that could also be the kitchen timer too that's on the stove. So those are some quick tools to allow you to practice or get um, scheduled routines into place. And the goal for these tools and technology is to make it sure, make um, the scheduled routine more fun, and but it should also be a really functional use too. Uh, the goal is not to add to your load and not serve as a distraction. And so if it is becoming a distraction, it's totally fine to adjust these tools and technology uses as needed because sometimes you just need to start smaller or start in a different way. It's totally fine to adjust as needed. Which leads me to my third point or third strategy, I'm getting on some soapboxes here guys, is to start small depending on your readiness for change. So wherever you are with things, wherever the your autistic child or the autistic individual you're working with is with things um, like they could be interested in starting something new but they may not be ready for a big jump into starting something entirely new so they just want to dip their toe in or wade into the pool for a little bit so things are not as overwhelming and exhausting for them and everybody involved because sometimes just little steps at a time is like the best thing you can do and then the following thing to do after that is to celebrate those little steps as they're reaching them and being successful with them and then over time think about increasing some of these steps because sometimes that can just do the trick we do so much to really find ways to support a lot of autistic individuals in their lives but a lot of times the way that our supports are created makes it seem like they fail a lot. So even thinking about the language we use when we are starting with something 
is just so we need to find ways to start with like building up a person with these steps and even building it up with yourself too and even um, another place to be thinking about starting small is to build independence through these scheduled routines. That's the goal, right? Is to support our own independence and support their independence without depending on somebody else to navigate a scheduled routine entirely, depending on the person, of course, right? Uh, so for an example here is one family I worked with, their son at the time, he was 16, and they were working on keeping his backpack and his room organized and his locker and everywhere. I think you get it. They were working on his organizational skills. So they started with his desk at school, just like keeping the tabletop clean and making sure that he had just the pencil on his desk and what he was working on. And I think he also had like an additional visual support for like communicating when he needed help. But those were the bare bones and the basics that he needed to just keep track of. And then he built up over time to work on his keeping the folder he takes home between home and school in his backpack, making sure that stays clean. And then the backpack itself. And as him and his family and his teacher worked through each of these, sometimes another item would fall backwards, but over time they did find a pattern that worked for him. And eventually he was able to turn in any and all paperwork that came home and needed to be turned in back to school, turned in homework too, as well on time, which was huge. And because at times he tended to find things six months later, after the fact when it was due, when he was looking for something else in his backpack. So these are all just some steps that they incorporated inc incrementally across the course of the school year. And I, I would, I think he's still working on some of these things. So about two years now and he's a senior. So he is really far ahead on his organizational skill journey and he's doing amazing. So those are just some ways here that they've him, him and his teachers and his family have been able to incorporate a routine into making sure that his space is staying clean and organized and helpful and functional for him. And so with his scheduled routine, they built in the time for when he was going to do like a desk check. So he checks in the morning and then before he goes to lunch, or, and then I think he actually had classes that switched. So before the start of class and end of class, he made sure that everything was clean and where he, where he needed, put things where they needed to be. And then at the end of the day, he did kind of like a final check with his, um, they have different names for different types of teachers across districts, but this was his teacher that was essentially kind of like his case manager and he followed up with them at the very end of the day and then he followed up with his parents after he got home from school. So that, by building in those natural, naturally occurring times when he was at school and when he needed to check for things, really promoted his success to, to really be able to incrementally develop these organizational skills that were going to be supporting him as he wanted to become, um, as he wanted to graduate from high school and apply to community college. All right, so those are the three main strategies. And then I do have another pro tip for those of you who do want to use visual supports, because I think this is something you can use to your advantage, especially as you're trying to build in a scheduled routine and 
make sure that stays consistent and monitor the growth, but I do have a whole resource just about this, specifically for visual schedules, which can help with any and all scheduled routines that you want to work on, whether you're an autistic adult, family member, and or professional. All right, that's it for me today. I uh, want to discuss scheduled routines even further. I'll see you in the Autism Grown-Up community where we'll have a post all about this. Also, for next month, go ahead and submit your question. You can submit your question at bit.ly ly slash agu question. And then next week, we're going to have a guest interview with Elizabeth Rubin, who is an occupational therapist, or OT, and she works in early intervention with so many little ones. So we're going to be talking about growing up and how she supports her families and the ones she works with. All right, I'll talk to you all next week. Bye. It's me again. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I've got a few things to go over as you are on your way out the door. So firstly, if you like this episode, please go ahead and share it with a friend or another family you know if you think this will be helpful for them. And then also, I'd love to hear your side of the conversation for this episode. So why don't you join us in the Autism Grown Up community and share what's going on for you, your family, and in your local community in whatever role you serve. Everyone is welcome over here. You can access the community through this link, which is community.autismgrownup.com. And then lastly, if you really love this episode and just the podcast in general, please go ahead and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever podcast app you are currently listening to this episode on. It just helps get the word out there when it comes to what's out there for autism growing up. All right, we'll see you in the community and I'll catch you next time.